0: So purpose and new work, what is the purpose of work and how can we actually empower people to be change makers
1: In the new work scene, we have to take it to the next level and speak with the politicians and have to bring it on a societal level. Welcome to OpenSAP Invites, Thought Leaders, your invitation to learn with us on the go.
2: Welcome to a special Thought Leaders episode with Professor Dr. Laura Marie Edingeschons, Emmanuel Kreitmeier, in which we discuss and further explore the topic of new work and purpose, which was the theme of their recent OpenSAP course. I'm your host, Elisabeth Riemann, and I'm thrilled to welcome Laura Emanuel back to OpenSAP. When course production started at the end of 2019, our working environments and routines were shifting due to digitalization, and we were asking ourselves, what does work mean to us? How do we want to work in the future? And what is the purpose of business? Nobody could have foreseen the dramatic and accelerated changes brought about through the COVID-19 pandemic. So today, we invite you to join us in a timely discussion with Laura and Manuel, as we all begin to reflect, evaluate, and reconsider our future of work. Laura Marie Edinger-Schons is a Professor of Corporate Social Responsibility at the University of Mannheim, Germany. In her research, she focuses on how any kind of organisation can contribute to sustainable development as defined in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Laura's work has been published in many academic journals, including the Journal of Marketing, Journal of Consumer Psychology and Journal of Business Ethics. Manuel Kreitmeier is the Chairman of Social Entrepreneurship Baden-Württemberg and co-founder of the Digital Social Innovation Lab at the University of Mannheim, Germany. Manuel is an advisor for social entrepreneurship to the United Nations at the Diplomatic Council and works with the European Commission to facilitate the social economy. He's a social entrepreneur and co-founder at Ohana Social Enterprise, a B2B platform for coffee and tea farmers. Let's say hello. Hi, Laura. Hi, Manuel. Welcome both of you to Open SAP Invite Thought Leaders. Thank you for having us. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you for inviting us. You're very welcome, and it's great to have you both with us here today to talk about New Work and Purpose and your recent Open SAP Thought Leader course of the same name. Now, New Work and Purpose is a truly fascinating topic that's relevant for us all. Not only are our working environments evolving due to digitalization, of course, but we're experiencing radical and accelerated change through the COVID-19 pandemic too. So I'm really grateful that we have the chance to discuss this with both of you here today. And to start our conversation, I'd like to focus on purpose and meaning. And Laura, can I ask you first, what does meaningful work mean to you? And maybe what's the hardest or most challenging job you've ever done and why?
0: That's a very good question. I had to think about it for a little bit. So in our course, we actually refer to Fritjof Bergmann to talk about uh, New Work, who is the initiator of the New Work movement and who said we should actually think about work as something that we really, really want instead of just enduring it like a mild sickness, right? And saying, okay, the weekend is coming soon. (laughs) If we look at the academic literature, uh, meaningful work is usually understood as work that feels significant in some way, um, in in the way that it contributes to something greater, like improving the lives of other people. And if you look at statistics of what uh, people say are the most and least meaningful uh, jobs, you can really see this. So jobs that contribute to human well-being, which involve a lot of human interaction are usually perceived as more meaningful and dull, repetitive jobs and jobs which do not involve human interaction um, are usually seen as less meaningful. And I have to say, my hardest work experience was that I did an internship in the German automotive industry (laughs) um, in the procurement department. And it was a six month internship. And after two weeks, I thought, okay, now I've learned everything that I can learn here. And then it was just repetition and it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And there was no freedom. Then I knew that I had to search for a job that is different. Uh But
2: really good experience, right? To know what's right for you and what gives you your
0: own individual exactly. meaning.
2: Yeah.
1: And Manuel, if I can ask you. So I'm from the social entrepreneurship scene, right? So we are trying to use uh, economic means to solve social challenges. So purpose is like in the core of, of our DNA, of, of what we do. And I see the good side. I see how people are going to get motivated and being motivated. And Laura and I, we co-founded the Digital Social Innovation Lab at the Uni uh, Mannheim, where we uh, enable students to found their own digital social enterprises to solve social challenges, the hardest job. And that's very, very not that easy because um, like I would say uh, physically the hardest job that I had was working at my dad's uh, farm. My dad, he migrated to Sri Lanka 20 years ago and we have a spice and tea farm. Um, and of, when I you know graduated, when I, uh, I was working there for two years, and that was really, really hard, like watering the plants and, uh, you know, uh, having the, the lychees and everything. But then I thought, well, uh, when I heard your answer, Laura, uh, I have to say that's, that's physically hard, but it's kind of rewarding.
2: Thank you both. So let's now talk specifically about new work and purpose. And can you explain to us what it signifies in a nutshell? How would you summarize the topic of new work and purpose for us?
0: Manuel and I have met a couple of years ago already, and we always worked on topics around new forms of organizations, right? So um, what our company is going to be like in the future, and there is a lot of change around that topic at the moment, which also means that work is changing. And we also thought about the topic of the purpose of companies which I do in my job a lot, and the purpose of work. So where are we going with our energy, right? And what can we contribute to this world? And we felt that we actually have to bring these two topics together. And um, there is a lot of talk about new work, and there is a lot of talk about purpose, but we felt that these two topics have not really been brought together and discussed together. So that was our mission. (laughs) We wanted to go out and talk to a lot of people about the intersection of these two topics Um, A new work, meaning new forms of organizing work, new forms of organizations, uh, new forms of individual organization of work. And then on the other hand, the purpose of what we do, right? And especially the the purpose of what we do in business. Um, So what do we actually contribute to societies uh, beyond profits, right? Thank you. And it's really interesting to hear about how you brought
2: those topics together and then produced this course. And I think it's an impressive collaboration, if I may say, between the University of Mannheim, between Social Entrepreneurship Baden-Württemberg and Mannheim Business School. And you handpicked, I think, almost 40 content experts to work on this course. And that's a mammoth project. So what was the starting point there for you practically? How did you go about developing this course with so many different experts?
1: When we started, um, as Laura said, we went more into the topic of new work and we went a bit, uh, you know, do, 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 doing research about the roots of new work. And what we saw actually, what we has been talking about, uh, in the, especially in the German new work scene and w- what we have been reading uh, about Friedrich bergmann and also what were the thoughts when this movement was started, uh, we saw a big gap between theory and reality. So, today, when we th- speak about new work, especially in Germany, we speak about agile methodologies like scrum holocracy, uh, but also new office right but this is not our new work right and they' trying to um, you know get something fancy out of it, and the discussion was very much focused on it and also, in the new work movement itself, there has been a tendency of some big companies to kind of capture this name and, and this uh, this whole movement um, where there was kind of a backlash and I think we have been really being in this wave when there were a lot of people who actually started this new work movement saw that the way it is developing, they were not happy about it. Like they wanted to have uh, to speak more deeply about new ways that we can think about work. And I think um, when we started uh, this idea with New Work Purpose, the first thing that we did was identifying different stakeholders, right? And then we just asked different stakeholders. And actually we were surprised that like really leading new work experts in Germany, but also politicians, they were ready to speak with us because they thought that this is a topic that has to be addressed and not only speak about, you know, buzzwords. And I think everybody was a bit uh, annoyed from the way the work was, was captured. And I think this is also why, you know, this whole course was, was going actually much more viral uh, than we thought.
2: And I think, you know, it's an amazing achievement over the space of five weeks, right? You covered the topics of digitalization and labor markets, purpose and meaningfulness corporate democracy, sustainability, and social entre and entrepreneurship. And that is just incredible, right? Um, They're really big topics, each and every one of them, right?
0: Yeah, right. We sat down at a table and we said, so now we have this idea of bringing the topics of new work and purpose together. So so what actually belongs uh, to this whole broader nexus of topics, right? And um, I mean, we both had our experiences um, academically and also practically. And I think uh, we actually produced a good mix of both, right? We looked at the academic literature, we looked at the topics that have been tackled in academia, but we also uh, took a lot from really anecdotal evidence from practice to build the concept of the course. And do you have a personal highlight of topics that
2: you covered in the course, things that really stand out in your mind today?
0: Yeah, my favorite topic is corporate democracy, I have to say, so that drives me since a couple of years, I really uh, believe in this idea that companies should be more democratic. Um, I mean, there is a lot of uh, talk in academia and there is a very strong consensus now that companies need to change because you can see that multinational corporations now have huge power in the world, right? You can see that we have multinational corporations that have more resources than small countries like Denmark. They Mm -hmm. are free to move these resources across the globe. Uh, They can ignore legal frameworks and regulations if they like. They can just move the resources to other countries. And we have a race to the bottom so that governments have to actually compete for companies to come to those countries. And I think this actually implies, you know, we know from Spider-Man, big power comes with big responsibility. Absolutely, (laughs) it does. It's so true. And um I think that we have to talk about um, legitimization of corporate activity and companies make decisions that affect societies in positive or negative ways, but they are not democratically elected. And the ones that are making the decisions are not democratically legitimized. So I think there is a huge topic around democracy and organizations, especially in those big for-profit multinational companies.
2: And as you say, rightfully as well, it's a big responsibility that comes with that power, right? And it's a matter of how they use it properly.
0: That's really fascinating. Where can we find out more about that topic? I mean, there are a lot of academic papers, um, which are admittedly <laughs> very academic. <laughs> but there is now also a lot of um, reports for business practice. And I mean, the the, the terminology is very diverse, right? Sometimes it's called new forms of organizations, agile work, um, new work and so on. But I think there is uh, in all of the different areas in society in our movement to redefine the uh, organizations that we are seeing in our societies. And that's a good thing. So I think you can learn from all the different books. We, I think we have a very good list of, um, of books that we refer to in our MOOC. Um, And I think that is a very good reading list if you're interested in the topic. We'll include those in the episode show
2: notes too. And so Manuel, your favorite topics from the course?
1: Well, I I have to say, um, it is also corporate democracy and new organizational structures. Even though, of course, like my home is social entrepreneurship. And and I think at every... topic. We have great speakers and great uh, anecdotal and academic evidence. But I think this topic is really something that uh, makes us question the way we are organized uh, within uh, our own society and our economy. And I think also this was the one where I actually got the most Uh, for myself, from the speakers that we interviewed. So I remember when we interviewed Andreas Zeuch from uh, Unternehmensdemokraten, he's uh, like one one leading uh, New Work expert in the field in Germany, and uh, he uh, told us that we only live in half a democracy because uh, we live in a democratic country and we're very proud of that, but then we go to work and in that work we have a a, a bottom-down system. Uh, that we don't question. And uh, that really made me think. And uh, also when we speak to, uh, I think it was the same uh, same course where, where we interviewed Thomas Sattelberger and your colleague Leonard Kyle, um, uh, where he speaks about unlearning hierarchies uh, within SAP or from the political side, where even uh, politicians like Thomas Sattelberger say that we need more uh, self-governance within corporations. And I, I think in my scene, like social entrepreneurship scene, we represent a lot of... Um, very early adapters of that like Einhorn for example Einhorn Berlin who do uh, vegan condoms uh, for example and they have a completely holocratic model uh, which I think is good you know, to, to push forward the agenda but then also I think it's very interesting to compare this with big companies like for example SAP and then you realize well you know what maybe we think in a small startup with 20-25 people is not that feasible for big corporations but I think it's very important to have this conversation and I, I personally Personally, I don't think there's an e- easy answer, um, but I think it's very important to have, especially uh, in the times that we are in. And also what, what Laura said, like the power uh, just big corporations have and the responsibility they have, um, there has to be new forms of stakeholder development. So, yeah, I have to say that was my favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of it. <laughs>
2: And I have to say the feedback on your course truly was excellent. One learner positions it in the top three of their all-time favourite Open SAP courses. Wow. And another, wow. It, it is, it's, wow, well done. <laughs> and another learner also praises the excellent overview of contemporary scientific discussions and expert interviews. And that's one of my favourite aspects of your course too. It really is such a rich summary of various topics, so much food for thought there. And one of the aspects that I really do like and was pleased to see in the course is the topic of mindfulness, which 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 is a recurring theme throughout your different weeks as well. And in week one, Manuel, you present the topic together with Dr. Bjorn Posbich, and you explain how new work and purpose and mindfulness really go hand in hand. And so I wanted to ask you again today, can you summarise that here for our listeners?
1: Dr. Bjorn Possby, he's a colleague of mine who I've been working since a very long time, uh, mindfulness entrepreneurship coach who does uh, really, really tremendous work. And um, he was one of the lecturers at the DSI lab at the University of Mannheim. And uh, at, at one of the lectures, where he also incorporates mindfulness, Lau and I just said, well, we should have this in our course as well, right? And um, so the idea is that When we want to change our behavior and we want to change our thinking, we have to start somehow. Mindfulness is the side of your own well being and. We see this, for example, with with the corona response. I've seen a lot of companies and also the government where they had subsidies for trainers in order to organize distance learning, organize home office, and so on and so forth.
0: And exactly what Manuel said, I think, is true. If uh, disruptions happen, and that can be a disruption like this um, pandemic at the moment, but it can also be an organizational transformation where you take out structures. Like uh, If you're trying to move towards more uh, corporate democracy and you're taking out hierarchies, that can also lead to a lot of confusion and insecurity amongst employees, right? And I think that mindfulness is a very interesting topic that companies should focus on because if we talk, for example, to Uwe Lubermann, one of our interviews in the in the course, uh, he said that when people come to Premium Cola and they have worked uh, for other companies previously, that he he calls it they have pre-damages from other companies, <laughs> so they come into Premium Cola and, for example, they ask Uwe questions like. Uh, my child is sick. Can I go home? Can I stop working for today? And he says, well, you don't have to ask that question. And he says that these are, you know, the pre damages that people have from the other system, from the other system out there. Uh, Shocking. Yeah. And I think that every time you, you have uh, something that is um, leading to a change in the situation. And that can be, as I said, an organization transformation or something unexpected, like at the moment, then um, you have to have strong people that actually can deal with these uh, disruptions. So Laura, in the course, you share this quote, and I found this really interesting. I love it.
2: Our studies show that a higher purpose communicated in a company only unfolds its positive effects at employee level if the people in the organization feel empowered to be a part of this higher purpose. And so I was wondering, now that our lives have really been shaped through COVID-19, how significant is empowerment and our intrinsic need for purpose and meaning right now?
0: If you want to move towards new forms of organizing in business, you have to also empower the people to be able to take over that new role, right? So, a lot of companies now, uh, also the big for-profit companies, are defining their higher purpose beyond making profits. They are trying to move towards more agile forms of organizing uh, work. And I think that that is, first, it's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing that we see this happening. Uh, we have five of the 30 DAX companies in Germany that now have a formal higher purpose statements on their websites, which means that the, you know, the world in the past where we had the for-profit companies and the non-profit world, it's it's really breaking up right we have um a lot of shades in between for profit and non profit we have social businesses social enterprises and so on um but that also requires companies to think about how they can empower people to to take over this new um this new role in the organization and uh what i see in companies at the moment is that um, if the purpose only comes from the top, if there is top management that thinks about, you know, we have to have the fancy purpose statement on our website, but they don't change the organization itself. They don't change, uh, you know, the system of hierarchies. They don't um, think about, for example, having um, uh, courses on self-efficacy, self-determination and inner strength uh, for the employees. Then it won't work. This whole transformation is doomed to fail because uh, you know this is nothing that you can just put on an organization from the top you really have to go into the organization and change everything about it right so our companies from the past with steep hierarchies and these organizational charts with you know uh, who is responsible for what it's just not the reality anymore but what we see in organizations is at the moment that people say i'm really challenged by this i'm i don't know what is my job role and this is beyond my pay. They have to learn about these new roles that they are taking over, right? And I think that that is the, going to be the, the, the biggest challenge in the upcoming year is to really think about so purpose and new work. What is the purpose of work, and how can we actually empower people to be change makers? We need to be those change makers, as you say, as well. And empowerment is really key. I mean, what we already see at the moment is that many companies are trying to um, build new programs for, for example, social entrepreneurship. Manuel is a social entrepreneur, so he is really uh, going his own path. He has his own company trying to uh, tackle an important uh, social issue or environmental issue. Um, And what we see in companies is that they now see this innovative potential in employees and they try to create platforms and programs for employees to be change makers in the organizations. I mean, at SAP, you have the One Billion Lives program. Other companies like BSF have have the starting ventures or Boehringer Ingelheim is a very good example. They do a lot of social entrepreneurship work. And I think that if companies don't do that, they actually miss a huge potential because employees are... Looking for meaningful work and they have creative potential amongst people who are highly skilled workers and organizations. The companies have to compete to get those people. I think what we have to think about more is the jobs where people are not, you know, these uh, sought after highly skilled workers, because we also have um, a big uh, proportion of people that don't have a degree from top business school. And how do we actually create conditions in which those people can find? good jobs and meaningfulness in their work. And I think these are usually the silent stakeholders, right? They don't have power uh, to stand up in the organization. And I think that somebody else has to uh, speak up for them. And uh, if we as the privileged few can do that, I think that's a role that we um, actually should take over. We should speak up for for those segments of society as well. And what do you say to skeptics who, there still are skeptics,
2: who dismiss new work and purpose as maybe another passing trend? I mean, that's not the reality that I'm seeing and witnessing right now. So how do you view that debate and around purpose and relevance too? What do you say? What's your response?
0: I can maybe just look back in time um, when I um, finished my PhD 2011 and I said I want to do something uh, on the topic of corporate social responsibility and sustainability. A lot of people said, don't do it. You're never going to get a job. This is a topic that is going to pass. Um, and I have to say before that decision, I lived in Indonesia for three and a half years and I saw a lot of the consequences of our global supply chains. For example, I traveled. I mean, Manuel is in the same situation, right? He grew up in Sri Lanka. And if you have experienced what our economies do to um, you know places that are not mm-hmm. directly visible here in the Western world, uh, it's very hard to imagine that The sustainability trend is passing (laughs) Mm -hmm. because um, we can see that what we have done to our planet and what we are doing to the people on the planet uh, is creating damage um, that uh, is going to take decades to repair. And we're going to have to think about other forms of uh, economies in the future. The number of people on the planet is increasing. Resources are limited. We are currently using more than one planet. And Mm -hmm. this is something that is going to change into a a direction that is uh, even more severe. Climate change is already visible in many parts of the world. And um, if people tell me this whole trend is going to pass, um, I I just have to say that there is always going to be people that don't want to see this truth because uh, it is not Mm -hmm. something easy. It's very complex. And the solutions that we have to think about are very complex. Um, But I think that it doesn't make sense to wait. It doesn't make sense to close our eyes and to think this will go away. We have to just realize that we're facing these complex issues and that we have to find solutions.
2: No, I agree, and it's kind of our responsibility. We're in a position of luxury and privilege in many cases, and um, it's very easy, maybe, to turn a blind eye to something we're not impacted directly ourselves. Um, but the evidence is there that we need to act now.
1: I would say that um, what what Laura said, I really want to emphasize that. it's always actually the same, right? And and being Laura, you being in sustainability, me coming from social entrepreneurship, this were both were you know uh, uh, seen as trends a long time ago, and I have. Uh, now been working since years in social entrepreneurship. And when we started, it was always like, yeah, this is a trend, The next year it will be over, next year it will be over. And each year, the whole movement grew and, and became more important and more uh, connected and, and, and uh, relevant within politics and uh, companies. Um, I think the, the core of what we're talking about is that we're talking of about real systemic issues here. So when we once realized that it's not like uh, a nice to have feature, sustainability or taking over social responsibility, um, in Germany we have the big discussions about you know s- supply chains uh, at the moment. Um, so this is something that uh, We have real problems like the refugee crisis, climate change, that have to to be tackled. And we are losing more and more people in the belief that our system works. And as somebody who's working between very different actors uh, and also working a lot with social enterprises that work on the ground, I can tell you that people mostly who dismiss this as a trend – They also live in their own corporate bubble, mostly, and and with people who think very uh, similarly. And also when we uh, look at the way uh, business schools are structured, right, Uh, like there's a very particular way how these people are also trained. So you, you, went, you go from your uh, Abitur A level and then you go into your uni- university and you're always surrounded by people who think very similar to you and you go into a corporate job and then after maybe, you know, years and years, you will be confronted with these topics. Of course, I, I this might, uh, you know, um, strike you as odd. But when you actually look beyond that, we see that also in Germany, but uh, globally even more, I think USA is a very good example of losing a lot of people um, in in the belief that this system works. So with what is this replaced? Even if we don't have any suggestions with what is a kind of system, democratic, capitalistic system we want to replace this.
0: Last week I just met our federal minister, Gerd Müller, who is really trying to push uh, this law. Which means that companies would have to take responsibility for what happens in their supply chains, uh, human rights infringements in these supply chains. And there is the other camp that says, well, you know, in times of COVID-19, companies are already under pressure and we cannot, uh, you know, put more pressure on them. And then they have new reporting duties and may have to face additional costs. But at the moment, we are in a situation where companies that take over responsibility and that try to do sustainable business have a competitive disadvantage compared to companies that exploit those room or being irresponsible. And that is completely unacceptable. And especially in a time of such a crisis, we have to see that everything is connected in the world. We cannot see uh, our different economies as something disconnected. And we have to take over that responsibility um, if we want to, to create a sustainable future for our people on this
2: planet, right? Absolutely, we're all connected and the COVID-19 pandemic is truly showing that we're not individual economies, countries, Um, we're really all globally connected with every single impact as well. So how is this discussion really shaping new work and purpose? How are things
0: evolving right now and what's affecting your work and research now? most visibly, I get a lot of uh, inquiries from companies that invite me (laughs) to discuss these topics. And sometimes not only with the top management, but sometimes, uh, especially with groups of employees, they want to define how they work in the future. What is the new normal, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. Um, So as an academic institution, we now can become an objective platform for also different companies to meet to discuss these topics. And I think the big questions are, um, first, of course, what is the purpose of business uh, in the future? What is the role of, uh, of companies in our societies in the future? Mm-hmm. And what is then the role of the individual employee in co-creating that new form of business? Uh, many companies now are actually um, having... I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think everybody was really focused on surviving. And now um, the first questions come up about how are we going to work in the future? And uh, we have a lot of these... Uh, roundtables a lot of these discussions like next week for example i have a discussion with 200 employees from a company here in the Neckar region uh, discussing which role employees can play in this transformation of work and uh, purpose in companies and i think that the most important questions are really uh, how are we going to organize all of this in the upcoming months so <laughs> i think uh, if you look at the, the really uh, salient issues do we need offices like we had them in the past? I mean, <laughs> the companies are really seeing uh, that the, the function of the office is changing, right? Um, you don't mm-hmm. go to the office, sit down and do your work. M- many people work from the home office, but when they go to the company, they want to actually have a social interaction with the others. They want to um, use the office as a place for social gatherings and I think mm-hmm. the whole concept of what a company headquarter looks like and how work is organized. There has to be completely re- rethought from scratch.
2: Definitely, times are really changing the way we work and interact. And that social interaction is so important to us right now. And Manuel, what are you observing right now? How are things changing with your work and your focus?
1: There's a big gap between the ones who are highly affected by the by the pandemic and the ones who actually have, have more to do, which uh, as I said, I think has something to do with the way um, corporates understand new work and also how we communicate new work so actually what we see right now is kind of a bottom up in the new work scene we have to take it to the next level and speak with the politicians and have to bring it on a societal level but it's also to do that we see that some of the things that we're trying to tackle within organizations are actually systemic issues um, so this is also something where uh, there's a lot of talk about what can the New Work Movement uh, actually provide for politics or for the society in order to change and what incentives of companies have to change. And I think Laura just brought a very great example of that in the moment we have a situation where it's actually a disadvantage, at least momentarily, to be more responsible within your supply chains. Uh, so these this are the things that, that they have to change because on the long term we cannot expect companies to... Uh, Uh, deal competitively um, and do things that actually we we are giving different incentives for. And I think one of the initiatives, Laura, that you are doing at the moment is uh, really tapping into that about corporate democracy.
0: This topic really leads to very polarized um, reactions. So if you talk to people who are already interested in new work, agile methods and so on, they are very open and they say, wow, corporate democracy, great idea. Let's learn about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, then if you talk to more traditional business people and very traditional companies, it's not just that they doubt the concept and that they discard it as something utopian, but they Mm -hmm. really get angry. So I have experienced talks where I spoke about democracy in companies and um, people attacked me verbally um, because they got so angry and, um, and furious about this whole idea that companies should be something dem- that is similar to you know, a political system. Yeah. Do you think there's some element of fear involved in that aggressive reaction, which is completely out of order? So I think that um, democracy in organizations, uh, if we think about democracy in big business, means that you're taking power away from the top. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. at the moment, we have a steep pyramid of of power and hierarchies and um, we're not going to move directly to a situation where everybody is equal. But um, gradually, moving towards corporate democracy means taking away power from the people at the top and that creates fear, especially among those ranks, right? Um, And taking away power also means maybe taking away certain privileges that they have. And at the moment we have a situation in which people at the top, not only uh, in an organizational hierarchy, but also in a societal system of inequality, we can see that people at the top exploit a lot of um, benefits from the people at the bottom. And if you talk about changing that system, of course, there will be resistance. but I think that's a discussion that we have to have because if we look at um, inequalities in the world, they were there before COVID-19, but COVID-19 really enforced um, and mm-hmm. amplified. It, it really mm-hmm. amplified these these inequalities to a degree that we cannot accept it, and it's not gonna it's not gonna work in the future like this. And where can we find out more about
2: the democratizing work initiative?
0: So there is actually a lot of material online. Um, There is the website where you can read um, about its goals and its mission. But there is also a lot of good talks on YouTube that are freely available where you can read up about this um, specific movement. But there are different movements. There are petitions. There are groups of people working on this topic. And I think it's something that is starting to become a bigger movement.
2: We're going to have to conclude today's discussion, unfortunately. And um, when we conclude these episodes, I'd like to ask our guests to summarize three key aspects from our discussion that you'd like us as listeners to remember.
0: So maybe um, when we talk about the individual level, I think that's the most important thing because we can only be... Um, a force of change on our individual level right Um, and um, there is one thing that i found very inspiring in the japanese tradition there is this notion of ikigai uh, which i think is a perfect summary of what we discussed Um, you should actually look for a job which is at the intersection of what you're good at what you get paid for what you love and what the world needs And I think that for me, that was always a very good guidepost, right? Now, maybe the second thing that I would like to stress is that if you found that idea of what you would like to do with your energy in this life, (laughs) then you have to have the uh, strength to ask for it and to ask questions and to demand from your employer to give you that room to be that person, that change maker. it requires a situation in which you have to be brave, right? You really have to Mm -hmm. stand up for this right, and you have to ask questions and to demand that freedom. The last thing is that you have to, if you found that situation, you will be privileged. We should not forget that there are people who don't have that privilege. And I think it's our responsibility to actually take over that role in society.
1: So my takeaways would be, don't be afraid of questioning the status quo. We can always complain, but we cannot change other people. We can change ourselves. And it is a willingness to take a risk. It's okay that initiatives fail and then you retry and you try again and you adapt them.
2: Thank you so much to both of you, to Laura and to Manuel. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you about new work and purpose, talking about meaning and I've taken away a lot of food for thought. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Open SAP Invite Thought Leaders with Laura Marie Edinger-Chance and Manuel Kreitmeier. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and leave a review. And don't miss your next invite. Subscribe now.